Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is made by fans for fans and where the content is absolutely free. And as I tell you, most weeks, guys, it's not just the the pod that's free. We have the the online stuff, the forums. Hey, there's even a, a virtual museum and all that on the website. So get yourself on there. And all all the content is free. It is episode 104 of the Jersey Net Weekly Podcast. I am your host, Colin Armstrong. Uh, we're running a wee bit late tonight because uh, the, the IT just absolutely packed in. So apologies for that. We're, we're about eight or nine minutes late on air. If this is your first time listening to the pod, we would we would encourage you to subscribe and get it shared on social media and let the people know that we're here. We've got over 3,000 subscribers now, so thanks to everyone who's subscribed so far. The podcast is live tonight, although we are running late, as I've just said. However, it will be available to download or stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, eh, and Spotify. So a lot to get through this week, uh, a great win uh, at Ibrox yesterday for Rangers uh, against Dungeon United, uh, first league game against Dungeon United for eight years I believe and uh, obviously relationships between the two clubs have deteriorated hugely uh, in the last sort of eight to ten years. So it was nice to give them a good pumping, so we'll talk about that, uh, we'll have a wee look, we're, 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 it doesn't seem that long ago since our uh, Europa a league campaign of last season ended. It was it was last month uh, against Leverkusen, but we're back in action this week uh, and we're playing Lincoln Redimps on Thursday night in Gibraltar. So we'll have a wee preview of that and a huge game coming up for Rangers next Sunday at Easter Road. Uh, Hibs sitting in second place, so that looks like it could be a big, big game for Rangers. Uh, so we'll have a wee look at, uh, at that as well and, and a couple other wee bits and bobs. Uh, so joining me tonight, I'll bring in the guests uh, now that we're up and running and uh, yet another farce from myself is over. Uh, I'll introduce the guests tonight. Uh, first, we've got Ross, Ross Bennett, uh, co-host, and uh, he was here at the beginning with the Jersnet podcast. He's down in London tonight. How are you, Ross? I'm a little bit frustrated, actually, Colin, because as we're, as we're running eight or nine minutes behind schedule, I've had to sacrifice eight or nine minutes of my patter. Um <laughs> I've been working on that for a few days now. Um, I don't know. I might do a blog instead and people can follow that if they want to get, you know, the real good stuff. <laughs> I'm assuming you're, you're talking about the stick you were getting on Twitter earlier today. I know. I, do you know, I've actually, so I've come off Twitter um, temporarily just because I'm spending so much time on it and I check it about once a week and I just had, you know, 20, 25 notifications saying, Ross's part is shite. <laughs> um, okay, that's fine. It's fine. Um, I don't mind really. I'm I'm here for the insight and the, the football tactical analysis rather than the yeah, pattern. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're the you're the straight guy, really, aren't you? I mean, you're 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 the wise to my Eric Morecambe. Is, is I'm, not that, sure. Is I'm, I'm not sure I've ever been called the straight guy. Certainly not at school. I'll be honest with you, Ross. I don't think your pattern's that bad. You know what I mean? I, I, I think it's fairly decent. It's certainly not as bad as our next guest. I mean, his, his part truly is honking. <laughs> uh, and that's John McCallum. How are you, John? I'm well. I'm well. Yes. Um, 
I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm the particularly straight guy. Is that, this seems to be a, <laughs> seems to be a, this pod seems to have taken a, an interesting turn where we all now claim to be even more straight than the last one. Um, uh, I, I, knew, I knew it would go that way eventually. <laughs> end up having to, he protested too much, that McCallum. Yeah, I'm not bad. Listen, I, I heard a great piece of trivia this week. All right. I, I, maybe everybody knows this, but I heard it for the first time this week. Only one Scottish team has ever at any time held the, the world transfer record. So they have paid an amount of money that set the world transfer, broke the world transfer record at that time. And only one Scottish team has ever done that. And I heard that this, that this week, that trivia right. this week. I had no idea. Well, who, who has it? It's not Rangers. It's not Rangers. So it's, it's, uh, it's not a team you would expect it to be. Yeah, let me think. Do you know the answer, or are you just? I know, I know the answer. No, I'm not just asking a random, random <laughs> question. <laughs> Listeners, write in and tell us. We will win right, blue, a week is it, of This is a this is a blue Peter moment. A- answers on a, a a postcard, please. You know. Was, uh, do you want to know? Do, do you have? Do you want to guess? What, what decade was it? No, 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 the the twenties. Nineteen twenties. Yeah. Oh, even. <laughs> it was Falkirk. Falkirk broke the world transfer record. They spent £5,000 on a guy from West Ham. There you uh, go. Was it Sandy yeah. Clark? <laughs> Sandy was injured in the early 20s. Um, that was one of his injury crises. Um, so I, some guy, I think he's had a crack name. His name was like Puddleworth. And he'd been. Oh, that, sounds, that, that sounds a very 1920s name, to yeah, be fair. He was, he was English, English internationalist and he had come up to Scotland to work in a munitions factory during the First World War and had guested for Falkirk. And then when um, when the league started again, the people of Falkirk gathered round and uh, donated money so they could keep them. And they, that they, doesn't, they to, to be honest with you, I've, I've lived in Falkirk. I moved here sort of mid-80s, just as I was about to go into high school. And that doesn't sound like the people of Falkirk at all, you know, all chirping in and putting their hands in their pocket. But there Wasn't we go. my impression of Falkirk either, I <laughs> no. have to say. But, no, they're a bunch uh, of miserable shites, if I'm being honest with you. But there we go. History books. <laughs> and anyway, they bought them for five grand, which broke the world transfer record. And I, I think they held it for about a fortnight or about a couple of weeks. And then Sunderland bought Sunderland something. Yeah, there we go. Cool. Top content, John. We, and we, we have to do up, Rangers, but we're going to tell <laughs> But we have to up the, the, the stakes in our content, you know what I mean? Because we're, we're, we're under P with Graham Spears' new pod, yeah. you know, £2.39 charge, and, you know, we're going to lose listeners in, in the barrel load, really, aren't we? Well, that, well, that's all the Celtic supporters who listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> Got a new place which, to go. Which, to be fair, is probably about 80% <laughs> of our listeners. <laughs> Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, the game yesterday, uh, I, I, I thought Rangers were superb yesterday, especially in the second half. They, they never really looked in trouble. They've, they've, they've you know, created this, or they broke this 114-year-old defensive record. A uh, few players in amongst the goals, Roof and all the rest of it. So lots and lots of positives, but a few negatives on the injury front and uh, the, the tackle on Morelos, which we'll come to. So Ross, I'll come to you, you, you first. Uh, in, in, in terms of the... Gerard went with a a four two three one again. You know, he had to he had to bring in Hollander when 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 Balogun was injured in in the warm up, but it didn't seem to impact on the the performance too much. In, in terms of the overall performance in the lineup, how did you feel it all went yesterday? I think um, 
it was a, a very, very nice way to reacquaint ourselves with Dundee United. Uh, I found it very enjoyable. It, I, I think it was probably our strongest performance of the season, in, in my opinion. Um, and a, a lot of the things in the last few games that haven't quite clicked and we haven't been clinical enough, it all really seemed to come together yesterday. Um, yeah, the, the, the lineup. I, I was glad to see Leon Balogun back on the starting lineup and back on the team sheet um, because he looked so impressive at the start of the season. And I was sorry to see him go go out for injury. Um, so I was I was looking forward to seeing him come back. And obviously, a great shame to lose him in the warm up. But from Gerard's comments after the game, it sounds like it was he felt some tightness and we thought best not to risk him as opposed to you know like he he pulled a muscle, he tore a muscle during the warm up. So if it's just that he felt some tightness and he didn't want to risk it. And that's absolutely fine. And, and by the way, having big Philip Hollander on the bench, a Swedish international, to to come in and, and fill in and and uh, and take that spot is it certainly shows the stride that we've made in terms of squad depth. That we're not worrying about Russell Martin and David Bates. You know, it's it's Leon Balogun drops out and Philip Hollander's there to fill in, um, and he did incredibly well. Again, you know, mopping everything up. Him and Goldson have been have been so so strong contributing to the defensive record that we've. Uh, that we've managed to break and set this year. Um, the performance itself was excellent. I think pretty much everyone on the park, you know, gave a really, really strong performance. Obviously, a, f- a few lads going off injured early doors who, who didn't really manage to contribute too much, and we'll, we'll discuss that in a moment. But like I say, everything just seemed to click. Everything seemed to gel. Um, Dundee United were poor. Uh, I'd like to mention a, a WhatsApp I got from my brother three weeks ago who said that Dundee United are looking very, very strong and will be the team to watch this season. Um, they've not won a game since then, so that's cracking punditry. Um, they were poor. They're not a good side. They don't have good players. Lauren Shankin came on and didn't really threaten at all. Um, Nicky Clark, as much as I like what he did when he was at Rangers, he's not you know, a, a prolific or a, a, the kind of striker that strikes fear into my heart. So, all in all, a, a really, really successful afternoon. Hard to disagree with that, John. I, I, I think I would, I would go along with most of what Ross, if not all of what Ross said there. I, I certainly think second half, it was probably our best performance. Everyone looked looked keen, you know, and, and was buzzing about. with no problems getting in behind them. It was another game, you know, there's been a few games this season when we could have scored a lot more and it felt like that yesterday we had opportunities to score a lot more and I think Gerard was right in his, his post-match comments when he said that a team's going to get a battering fairly soon and it kind of feels like that but at the other end of the park you know we've broke this record this 114 year old defensive record seven games without conceding now you said on, on a show a few weeks back you know as we were building up to the to the new season that you felt defensively we were sound and it was it was up front that we needed to improve. You know, we conceded as many goals as Celtic last season, and you know, if we continued in that, we, we would be there or thereabouts if we, we scored more goals. So, I, I, it, it took you saying that for me to sort of, I actually he's got a point because I thought we maybe could have still done with another centre half at the time. However, the the fact that it seems that the defence has stepped up again, they've went up another notch. You know, seven games without conceding. You know that, that that's quite incredible, and as I said last week, it, it's put us in a position that if you get one goal, then there's a good chance you're going to win the game. Uh, so, in terms of the record and and, and how the defence is, is playing overall, what, what's your thoughts? It's always nice to get a record. Uh, I wasn't aware of the record until kind of midweek, um, but 
I don't think we've actually sat back and given the team enough credit. You know, to go seven games without conceding a goal is is actually, you know, it's, it's, it's quite something. You know, I mean, you, you would assume that our team was sitting, you know, with, with a, a, playing a very defensive type of football. But, but in actual fact, you know, our football is very expansive. You know, it's very, very attack-minded, um, which I think then is, is, is even more creditable. And I also think that when you consider that we're, you know, we're still missing our first choice keeper. Now, as, this, as the weeks go on, you know, I think there, there would maybe be a question mark over whether McGregor does walk back into the team when he's fit. Because McLaughlin hasn't hasn't put a foot wrong, and um, you know, looks, you know, every time he's asked to do, I mean, he flapped at one cross yesterday, but you know, anything he's asked to do, he does, and he's done well, and his distribution is excellent. Um, it's, it's, I would say his distribution is actually probably better than McGregor's. Um, so you know, when you consider that, I mean, you consider that the the second centre half, Goldson being being first choice centre half, I think without a doubt, um, the second centre half has switched around a little bit through the season. Um, then I think it's probably all the more possess- all the more impressive. But uh, you know, it's a team game, and to, to delve into the big bag of cliches I carry around with me. Um, you got you know, a big bag of cliches, John? A big bag of cliches. And, and oh, I'll give us a cliche. <laughs> Liberally tonight. Um, the I think that, that you know the, the truth is we are defending from the front, and that's what's been impressive about us this season. Um, you know that that. In actual fact, when you know you saw it in that game yesterday, actually, you know whenever Rangers lost possession, we are closing teams down very, very quickly. You know we are that's a hard-working team, and I think one of the reasons that teams haven't been scoring against us is because they don't get the ball. You know, I mean, I can't remember a period of sustained pressure that Rangers have been under um, in the league since since the season started. I mean, there must have been, you know, that Aberdeen must have had 10 minutes at home or something, but I can't remember it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't recall that. So, and I think that's because of the way that the the um, the attacking players are playing when we when we don't have the ball. Um, they are closing space, they are uh, rushing the other the, the opposition and, and forcing them into making mistakes and not letting them build. Um, so it's you know it's it's enormously creditable. Um, it certainly makes winning games an awful lot easier if you don't concede goals. There you go, another great cliche. Um, and we need to just keep doing it because, um, you know, ultimately I think all the great Rangers teams were built on a good defence. And, and, you know, good defending, you know, whilst it's maybe not as aesthetically pleasing as good attacking, you know, it, it's something to behold. You know, if, if you have that team there and, and, you know, we've got a settled, we've got a settled backline, you know, Barisic and, and, and Tav, you know, you, you you don't even need to think their names are on that um, and on that starting lineup. Goldson's there as well. Goldson Goldson strolls through matches. We don't appreciate Goldson enough. You know, I've had this and I've had this chat on the on the Jersnet um, on the Jersnet website uh, on more than one occasion. Um, you know, saying to people, you know what, I, Goldson I think was a man of the match. Uh, man of the match. Goldson that rather sort of was a player of the season. I think his first season at Rangers and, and he was massively overlooked because he does the simple thing. Um, he's got a great turn of pace. He reads the game well. He's a commanding presence, um, and you know our defence is built around him. I mean, our two fullbacks are, are, are basically attackers, um, and when you've got the right sitting midfielders in front, covering and closing space, yeah, it, it's a joy to watch, it. and, it, and it, it allows then the offensive players to go and do what they need to do. So yeah, it's great, Colin. Long may it continue. 
Yeah, I, 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 I would take I take what you you say about Goldson as well. That he probably is under undervalued and underestimated a lot of Rangers sports. I think that I think we have a support that highlights people's flaws rather than their, their positives. You know, there's a lot of people. One of my mates yesterday, you know, he's just been negative all, all season after every game, you know, especially after the other game. And so I sent him a text yesterday when the game finished. I was like, sack Stevie G, you know, we only beat them 4 nothing, And he did actually come back with a genuine negative. It was, uh, I'll, I'll try and dig it out, but I, I really was actually flabbergasted. You know what I mean? I was like, oh my God, <laughs> he, he, he genuinely found a negative in that game. As uh, a support, we'll have, we'll have to please. And, and I'll be careful how I say this without you know, without sending everyone over to Graham Spears' podcast. But <laughs> I actually think some, some, in a way, the fact that there are no fans at Ibrox, it's not so much for the game yesterday because we scored early. You know, we scored in whatever it was, 10, 12 minutes. We scored early. Um, and, and after that, we absolutely dominated. So I don't think that was a huge issue. But there have been games or periods in games where I've felt certain players would probably have got the, the collective groan from a yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the fact that there's not a support there just now means I think you know a player like Hadji, who who actually contributed, you know, he set up two of the goals, heavily involved in two of the goals yesterday. Actually, heavily involved in all four, but but you know, the assist for two of them directly. Um, but he's still a player that that it doesn't always come off for him. You know, he's still a player that you know it's still not quite happening for him every single time, and he's the kind of player. That that um, every now and then you you could imagine that the support just starting to grow and if a pass doesn't come off, and and the reason I mentioned that is that Goldson I think doesn't get the, the doesn't always get the credit he get he deserves because I still think there's an, there's still some in our support who prefer Marvin Andrews to to John Allen Boomsong. You know they want a centre half who will take bodies. I think yeah. one of the reasons Katic is is, um, is so popular is because. You know, he's, he's absolutely no nonsense. He can play football, but, you know, if it's a 50-50 ball, Katic will take everything out of the way. And I still think a part of us quite enjoys that, is looking for that in a centre-half. Goldson is not that type of centre-half. He was a much more cultured player. Um, and I think that's why he's maybe not always getting the plaudits he deserves. Anyway, that's my thoughts on that. There you go. Uh, Ross, coming back to you, and, and hopefully you'll have a, a big bag of cliches as well. Uh, after the game, Stephen Gerrard was, was was quite gushing about uh, Stephen Davis. Now, Davis, is, he's, he's had a sort of up-and-down start to the season, and I've seen lots of supporters write him off and say, you know, the legs have gone and, and all that kind of thing, and he doesn't have an arm to, to, to go through the full campaign, and it won't, we'll have to manage the amount of game time he gets. And then he goes and plays two internationals and, and comes back yesterday and has an absolute outstanding game. And not only did he play two internationals, he's also just equaled Pat Jennings' uh, caps record for Northern Ireland. I believe it's 119 caps. And I, I, it just strikes me that, I mean, part of me feels that we missed out in the best, Stephen Davis, because I think he was at his peak when, when he moved. And I think Southampton maybe got the best of him, but I do sometimes think he's a very, very underrated player. Even when he was at his sort of, you know, he wasn't at the age that he is now and he was at the club the first time around. You know, you just got the feeling that he was someone that was that was kind of undervalued a wee bit by the supporters. Uh, how, how do you feel about Davis? Because I, I, I think his best days are, are behind him. You know, he is getting to that age. But I think if you've got a, a young and fit Stephen Davis, there's a case to say he's the best player in, in the top flight in Scotland. 
And I think Gerard was right to, to sort of keep praising him yesterday because, as I say, he has had a wee bit of an up and down. It, it looks like it's took him a wee while to get up to speed, which is maybe understandable given that, you know, he's getting on a wee bit. But yesterday he was outstanding. And I just think we have a, we have a top, top player there. Yeah, yesterday was was really special. Um, it's one of those things that as, as he gets older or as a footballer gets older, you sort of tend to see them shift backwards on the pitch. So he's he's gone from being that dynamic, attack-minded midfielder with, with pace and with legs and with drive and energy. Um, as, as the body's got up the more bit, he's he's turned more to his brain. And um, he's, he's a very intelligent footballer. And yeah, look, his, his best days are behind him. Um, he's not lost the, the vision. He's not lost the ability to, to find a pass. He's not lost his composure as well under pressure. He, he doesn't, he doesn't flap. He doesn't make mistakes. Um, so he's still got all of the attributes that make him a top-class centre midfielder and certainly more than capable of doing a job in a championship-winning Scottish Premier League side. Um, his best days are behind him. I don't expect to see him playing 90 minutes of every game this season. Um, in, in a way, I've actually been surprised at how much he has played, but that's testament to him keeping himself in shape. I think when... Obviously, you know, we don't know the, the real extent of Ryan Jack's injury and we don't know how long he'll be out for. But when he's back, when Aribo's back, when we get another centre midfielder in, which it appears is, is what Mr Gerrard is after, um, you've then got Glenn Kamara there as well. Scott Arfield knocking on the door, who was phenomenal, by the way, when he came on yesterday. He was really, really excellent. His best performance for Rangers for a number of months. There's a huge amount of competition there. And I think, you know, a huge amount of credit has to go to Stephen Davis for the way he's kept himself in shape and kept himself at a very, very high level of performance. And then, you know, the, it, it goes without saying that his achievement in what he's done internationally for his country and his national team, it's remarkable. Um, in, in this day and age, for an outfield player as well, obviously, um, Pat Jennings is a goalkeeper and uh, the goalkeeper might have a slightly longer career and take less toll physically. Um, so for an outfield player to go and, and, and match that record is is it's wonderful to see. Um, so yeah, I think I don't know that Davis will be playing 90 minutes of every game this season, but he's a real asset to us. He has the intelligence to dictate. I hate I hate by the way I hate the phrase quarterback. You know he's a quarterback of the game. That's 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 not a football term. Um, is that just you bringing a bag of cliches? There? I don't have a bag of cliches. <laughs> I have a bag of insight. Um, no, it's uh, I, that, I don't insight. Know. You said a bag Ins- of what? <laughs> a bag of insight. Um, <laughs> no, look, I don't. I don't like people saying, "Oh, he, he plays the quarterback role," but he does. He he anchors the team very well. He gives them a very firm and very calm, assured presence, and he he is excellent at allowing the players in front of him to go on and be expressive and be creative. What actually? I'm sorry if this answer is dragging on a wee bit. What he does very, very well is he facilitates Tav and Barisic. Him sort of sitting there and screening the, the centre-halves, it allows the fullbacks to have the freedom that they need to play this system. And that's why Tavernier scored two in his last two. That's why Barisic you know, has assists coming out of his arse. It's because you have Stephen Davis and when the, you know, when the necessity arises, you have Stephen Davis alongside either Glenn Kamara or Ryan Jack screening the back four helping out the centre-halves, making sure that the clean sheet record stays intact. And that allows Barisic and Tavernier to do what they do best, which is get forward, 
frighten the life out of the opposition fullbacks, put balls in the box, and and get you know get goals and assists. So I am full of you know admiration for Stephen Davis. Uh, I I don't know how much longer he can stay performing at this level, but I also didn't expect to see him so much this season. Like I say, I thought last season he he dipped towards the end, in my opinion. I thought after the winter break, he was probably one of the players who suffered the most. Um, so I don't know that I expected to see quite so much of him. But, I, you know, yesterday, he was obviously he was given Man of the Match on Rangers TV and it was thoroughly, thoroughly deserved. You know you know one thing, Ross, I, I don't remember him having this. He probably did and I, I just can't remember it, but it's his ability to win the ball back now. You know, the, the way he closes down players, he's quite tenacious and one thing about Davis as well is when he wins it I mean he's not he's not going to be crunching tackles and all that kind of thing because obviously that's not his game but you know he just closes players down and just nips in and gets a toe in and wins the ball back and what he is good when he's got the ball he's as you have pointed out earlier he's a very very intelligent football player and he always just seemed to do the, the, the simple thing uh, I think you're right I think he, 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 he sort of died a slow death last season but that's maybe to do with the players around him, you know, the team collectively was struggling. And speaking as someone approaching his 50s who's still playing five aside, you know, as you get to a certain age, you need other people to do a wee bit of your running for you. And if that's not happening, then you yourself, and I think that's maybe what's happening with Davis, you know, if the, if the team collectively isn't performing, then he himself isn't he going to be able to rise to the, to the levels that he can reach. But this season, I agree, I think he's just been absolutely outstanding and uh, I, th- I thought Gerard was right to to to, to heap praise on him yesterday. John, coming coming back to yourself uh, on the issue of Ryan Kane, he, he he scored the first goal and it was a great goal, lovely wee giving goal with uh, Haji. I, I love the fact that Haji not made someone with a pass. You know, what I mean, it's not just the fact that he's he's popped it through through their legs and, and ran around the other side to get it. You know, he's 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 basically not made them with a pass, put it through. You know. Uh, Kent's twisted the boy inside out and hammered it home. Now, I was reading uh, the Sunday Times today. don't want to sound all posh and stuff like that, but I was reading the sports section, the Sunday Times, and Douglas Alexander said that uh, Kent is now Rangers' main man. You know, Morelos had that crown. That crown has now moved from Morelos to Kent. Would, would you agree with that? Is he now sort of the, the main man at Rangers and, and, and the sort of focal point of this team? Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's uh, he started the season so strongly. Um, he looks dangerous every time he gets the ball. His decision making is has improved enormously. I think that was maybe the main criticism of Kent last season was that you knew he could beat a man. You knew that he could get a cross in. You you knew that he could score goals, but he didn't always make the right decision. This season, his decision making has been excellent. Uh, the positions he takes up, um, you know, he, Kent now, I mean, I haven't seen the stats. I would be surprised if Kent isn't the most fouled player in Scotland um, because he's, he's getting fouled a lot. And, the, you know, we'll need to watch that. But he, he, two or three times yesterday he was fouled and, and it wasn't even given. And I know we'll come to the referee um, as this conversation goes on. But, um, yeah, Kent is, Kent is, is, you know, he's the fulcrum now of the, the attack uh, he gets to 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 move around. Um, Roof is doing the the kind of heavy lifting um, and, and allowing Kent to to suddenly appear in, in places. And like you say, oh, wasn't that a beautiful pass? Um, and he had a lot to do when when he got the ball still, but it was a beautiful pass from from Haji um, and just a great goal. You know, 
a lovely finish. You know, he absolutely turned the Dundee United player inside out. Um, and, and Kent, Kent, I think when we all saw Kent at first, when he first came up from, on, for Liverpool on loan, it was this, you know, kind of um, initial excitement of this kind of fast guy, who, you know, dynamic player. But you're always still wondering, is, is you know, is he going to be a Vladimir Vice guy? Is he, you know, one of these players that, you know, just never quite makes it, um, you know, that, that can kind of flatter us to deceive. I still wasn't sure, even this time last year when we bought him, I still wasn't 100% sure he he was going to push on and, and fulfil that potential. But yeah, I've been proven wrong so far this season. He, he has looked, you know, he looked like he's very interested. It was a, um, it was an interesting quote from Gerard through the week, Colin, I don't know if you saw them, um, when he was being asked about Kent and and you know the the supposed interest from from Leeds in him and you know he's made the point that it doesn't it it seems to have actually have made his performances better you know that sometimes it kind of you know speculation can affect a player in in a negative way but it has not affected Kent if anything you know he's stepped up his performances and we need guys like Kent when we're playing against teams that will sit deep and to be fair Dundee didn't sit deep on us yesterday. Um, but when we, when we you know, come up against a 10-man defence, you need guys like Kent who can unlock that defence, just give us that bit of magic. Um, and, and yeah, unfortunately, I find myself in full agreement with the Sunday Times um, uh, on this. But I, I think he is the, the main man just now. And, and you know, that, that mantle may change as the season goes on, but, but undoubtedly he is the main man just now. He is our main attacking threat. Ross, talking about another uh, attacking threat, you mentioned it earlier on about the two fullbacks, you know, Barisic and Tav, and how Davis and Jack and Kamara, you know, whoever's, whoever's in that sort of midfield two allows them to push on. Tav yesterday got the second goal, you know, his 48th goal for the club. It was his 250th appearance for Rangers yesterday in five years. Now, to put that in context, uh, Celtic TV pundit, Michael Stewart managed 180 uh, career appearances in 13 years. Uh, so, you know, for, for Taft to get 250 and five is a great achievement. Again, like, going back to what sort of John was saying about uh, uh, Goldson, you know, is, is Tav maybe also in that sort of bracket, someone who's maybe a wee bit undervalued? I mean, we've had discussions with him, or on him, sorry, before, you know, and, and we've been critical of him in a constructive way. You know, some of us have questioned, uh, well, I've certainly questioned his position at times defensively. Uh, you know, questions about whether he's good enough to be the, the, the captain of the club. But, you know, looking at the positives, you know, going forward, the amount of assists that he gets, the amount of goals that he gets, and the fact that he's still there. You know, I mean, he came to Rangers when we were in the second tier of Scottish football. Uh, and now he's, he's you know, he's in a team that's chasing for a league title that's been uh, performing in uh, the Europa League group stages for the last two years and getting to the sort of latter stages of the tournament last season. You know, I mean, that's quite a progression when you think about it. You know, do, do we underrate Tab? Do we undervalue him? Well, I, th- I mean, first things first, it's unfair to draw a criticism with, um, with Michael Stewart because... Michael Stewart. Might, <laughs> I think Michael Stewart might have been able to do more, but he he devoted so much of his time and attention preparing for a spectacularly unsuccessful career in local politics. So 
I mean, if Tav manages to to also do that as well as performing consistently for Rangers, then I think we can we can class him as a success. Um, I I don't know. I think it's I'm much like yourself, Colin. I think we've we've actually discussed Tav a number of times um, on and off the air. You have days with Tav where you think he's you know phenomenal, and and you go, how's no one signed him for 15 million? Look at the things he can do. He'd be great in a side like Leeds. He'd be great. Um, a Wolves or an Everton, you know, he could, he could tear up the Premier League. And then you have days where you're like, dear God, I can see how he was, you know, looking at being punted out of Wigan before we came and picked him up. And he's prone to a howler. He doesn't like someone um, running at him defensively. But he he knows what his game is and he does his game very, very well. And And we finally found a way to use it to good effect. Um, that's because we have the players in the right positions now around him to give him the support and give him the, the confidence to go and do what he does well, which is you know playing a bit like an auxiliary winger. Um, do we undervalue him? I think we do. I think a lot of the criticism that's come his way, though, has been entirely justified. I think that there have been times when he's not helped himself. I think that the, the, the programme notes last season thing was naive. I don't think there was necessarily anything... Um, particularly malicious or, or, or that worrying about it. I think it was just a bit dumb. And I, I wish that someone from the club had stepped in and yeah, gone. That was, uh, that's what I was about to say. Maybe someone from the club should have stepped in at that point. And, and well, hang on. This, maybe just been really, a bit too honest. You know what I mean? I think that was the issue. Exactly. Um, he scored a, one goal every five games and he's assisted a hell of a lot more than that, um, which is a spectacular return for a midfielder, let alone a fullback. You know, so... Um, I think he's acquitted himself exceptionally well in his time at Rangers, which it's it's not been plain sailing. I mean, think of back to the our first two seasons back in the Premier League were some of the hardest to watch that I can remember, and he was playing alongside some really really poor defenders as well. And we're talking about a guy who can't defend here, allegedly, who is now captaining the side to a record-beating defensive streak. You know, it. it I think hopefully this little spell can put to bed the the myth that Tav can't defend. I mean, we can we can all look at stats about the number of crosses that he blocks, the number of interceptions and tackles that he makes, which is high for a defender. Um, he's made a lot of high profile gaffes, you know, where he lets a ball squirm through his legs and and a, a substandard winger or a substandard striker just knock the ball past him. He makes bad mistakes sometimes, but. If he didn't do that, he'd be playing for Man United or he'd be playing yeah. for Arsenal or Man City. He's, I think, in my mind, he is one of the greatest assets in the in the SPL. Um, and yeah, maybe maybe we do undervalue him. He's made it he's made it very easy to undervalue him at times. He's made him made himself very easy to criticise. Um, I don't believe that he's not captain material. Uh, and I think being without crowd now, you can actually hear the leadership that he um, that he displays on the pitch. He's very well respected in the dressing room. He has the ear of everyone, including Alfredo Morelos, um, which is very, very important when you're trying to lead a team now to, you know, captain them through a momentous season. Um, Tavernier deserves silverware. He has put a lot of time and effort and heart into Rangers Football Club. And I really hope that this is the season that he gets rewarded. Yeah, I mean, again, I would find it hard to disagree with much that you've said there, Ross. It was a point I was going to make 
that you know if he didn't have these kinks in his game and that you know that I think he is like Goldson, you know, he has high profile errors in him, you know, errors that cost you. And but it, it, it all comes down to the net contribution, you know, is it is, is he in the plus or on the minus in that front? And he's well in the plus, you know, the, the, the stats there prove it 48 goals, 250 appearances. Uh, is he perfect? No, but as you say, if he was perfect. You know, he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be at Ibrox at the moment. So, yeah, I think I think we do maybe under, under volume. I, I I agree with you. I think when the criticism comes, it's deserved. I think a great captain for Rangers is, is someone who leads a team through the harder times rather than just the good times. And I, I think that's maybe an area where, where Tav has sort of struggled a wee bit. But yeah, I, I do think as a football club and as a support, we're, we're, we're lucky to have him, John. Uh, the, the third goal yesterday came from Roof. Now we had a wee chat before we came on air. I don't think I don't think we, we, we discussed Roof. I thought he played really really well yesterday. I have high hopes uh, for Roof. I must admit. I thought his link up play was great yesterday. Really hard working player. You know he was even back in his own uh, box at times, heading clearances away and all that kind of thing. And he looks to me, you know, he, he looked a wee bit anonymous at times in, in a couple of his his, his early performances. But he looked to me yesterday like he's really getting up to speed. You know, he was he was really linking up the play well. How do you feel about Roof? I, I think we might have a, a a bit of a diamond here. What about yourself? Aye, he came with a he came with a decent backstory. He came with a decent reputation, and Leeds fans uh, all thought really highly of him. Um, and I mean, what it's what his third game, his fourth game now for Rangers. So you know, it's far too early to make any kind of judgment on him. Um, but I felt the last the last time I was on the pod with you guys, he'd played alongside uh, Itton. And I just didn't think it was quite coming off for the two of them. And he, he scored that, that, that day, and he scored his first goal that day. And he took it well. Um, and yesterday, I thought, you know, he, he looked like the guys around him and himself were now starting to get on to the same wavelength. Um, you could see there's been another couple of weeks of training there, uh, another couple of weeks of, of all getting to know each other, um, and and I tend to agree with you. I mean, he's not, he isn't Morelos. You know, he's a different type of player to Morelos, um, and and there's times where you know a Morelos type, you know, a guy who's just strong and and just you know bullies the other team, um, it can be very valuable. I don't think Roof is that player, but he's a busy player. You know, he will certainly, he won't give them peace. Um, uh, and I think you, I think he will help bring out the best in, in Kent, um, in Hadji, um, and, and, you know, hopefully others as the season goes on. I think he's quite a selfless guy. I think, I think I don't think he's a guy that's going to score you 25 goals a season, but I think he's a guy who will, who will help other players score goals. He's the kind of guy who will, um, he's the kind of guy who will, who will help us um, as the season goes on, so no, I've been quite happy with him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to make too much of a, um, too much of a, a, a commitment to him just yet. Um, but you know, you can't fault any of them that played yesterday. They all played really well, um, and I think you're right. You know, they've probably done the research and, and got a good guy. Ross, eh, I'm glad the way it's worked out, the way the questions have worked out in the agenda that we've, we've come to Scotty Arfield eh, on you because, you know, obviously you love you love Scotty Arfield eh, and I really do love Scotty Arfield. But I, I, being serious, I, I thought he was outstanding when he came on yesterday. 
it's probably the most liveliest I've seen him look for a while. He was he was running forward into space, linking up well, took his goal superbly well, uh, and probably could have got another one, maybe two, uh, involved in a few chances. Now we're, we're going to come on to the the sort of only negative from yesterday's game, and and, and that was the amount of injuries. Given the amount of injuries that happened yesterday, and given the, the, the sort of level of Arfield's performance, has he now put himself in the frame for, for, for maybe going on a wee run of, of, of starts in the team? Um, tough question for me because uh, he's not my favourite. Um, he, he did exceptionally well yesterday. That's that's not in doubt. I mean, he actually sort of had a hunger that I've not seen from him for a, for a wee while. Um, he, the way he took that goal was was fantastic. It was a really, really lovely finish. First time, not an easy one at all. Um, puts it just out of reach of the goalkeeper. The ball's curling the wrong way, you know, so it's it's kind of heading towards the outside of the post rather than curling back in. Um, really not an easy strike at all. And, and uh, that's a really, really difficult technique to, to take the ball first time on the move like that. Um I still think there were frustrating elements of his play. Uh, maybe this is me being a wee bit biased against him, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, there was there was that time maybe five minutes before he scored where he's he's through one on one and he decides to shoot from 18, 20 yards, and you go, you had another two touches in you there, and it, it turns out being quite a comfortable save from the goalkeeper. He tries to go across the keeper, which is which is good, but he does it from 20 yards out. You go, just just take another touch. You, you've got so much space. You're behind the defence. Um, I don't see him getting a, a run of starts, but he's done everything he needed to do to to make the manager have a difficult decision to make. And that's all you can do when you're sat on the bench. Gerard, Gerard is very open about the fact that if you're, if you're on the bench, you have to work to take the starting jersey off the player who's got the jersey at the time. And that's all, that's all he can do. And Arfield actually... I mean, I can't think of a better performance from Arfield for the last 12 months. Um, I thought he did well. I remember I was in I was in Denmark last season at Mitchelland and he did well then. But I'm not sure he's had as good a game in the last 12 months for us. And he did that in, in the 30 minutes that he was on the pitch. I, he's certainly not won me round. I certainly think he's declined faster than anyone else in the squad because two years ago he was a key player for us. Um, I wouldn't be starting him next time, but I, I do have to hold my hands up and say that was a really special cameo from from Scott Arfield. The, the Scott Arfield hatred, I don't get it at all. But anyway, John, coming back to yourself, uh, as I said there, you know, maybe maybe Arfield's made made a a claim for, for a jersey in the next few weeks given the amount of injuries. Now, on the injuries, you know, it started before the game had kicked off. Uh, with Balogun, you know, he felt something tight and, and felt he didn't want to risk it. Then we lost Jack. Uh, we, we, we lost uh, Barker and then we lost Morelos to a shocking tackle by Ryan Edwards, which we'll come into shortly. Now, on the Ryan Jack injury, one of my mates texted me today to say that two, two players, I think there were two Leeds players who were in the Scotland squad, have also now uh, succumbed to calf injuries. Now, there was an issue last season when I believe Jack was given a, was a 10k run or something like that. And Stephen Gerrard wasn't happy because when he came back, he broke down. And, and, and Ryan Jack seems to be that type of player. You know, he seems to get maybe seven or eight games in him and then he's out for two or three and then he's back in. But on the, on the, the, the Scotland thing, is that something that we should maybe be concerned about and that the club should be maybe homing in on? Because if Ryan Jack's coming back 
consistently from, from international duty and then he's out for two or three games, surely that's a problem. Definitely a problem. Um, I don't... I, I, if you were looking for any... If you're looking for any kind of criticism of yesterday, the fact that three of our first 11 um, you know, came down with strains, um, let, let's call it that. I don't know the extent of it. I mean, Barker's looked like he pulled his hamstring or um, certainly he's done something to his hamstring. Um, you know, uh, Balligan obviously didn't make it onto the park and, and then Jack's, you know, um, again, some sort of strain. Uh, you do need to wonder, is there, was there... Was the warm up right? Was you know, was were they you know, what's the training been like through the week? Um, Barker wasn't away in international duty. Was Balogun, was he away? Is it is it Nigerian? Is he Nigerian? Balogun? Um, he, um, I don't know if he was away or not. I should know and I don't I apologize, but obviously, Jack, don't was, so should I, but I don't. <laughs> um, Jack was uh, Ross will look it up quickly and uh, whilst, whilst I'm talking and come on and tell us, um, but um. The, really uh, won't he? <laughs> <laughs> and um, the uh, but Jack didn't play on um, Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whenever whatever the midweek game was for for um, Scotland. He played the weekend game, but he didn't play then the second game. So I wonder if he if he had a knock. I wonder if he if he picked up a strain, um, and you know that the the Scotland team knew about it. Scotland. Um, physios and, and, and management knew about it and then maybe Gerard knew about it as well. Um, so I don't know. I agree with you. You know, Jack does seem to be a player that just doesn't... You, you don't expect to get a season out of Jack. Um, you know, you, you, you expect him to pick up injuries um, just as he gets a run and starts to look like the player that everybody tells you he's going to be. Um, he, he, he picks up a knock and those kind of knocks he gets, those kind of strains he gets can be you know, two or three weeks before you're, you're back and then it's kind of starting again. So it's a little frustrating. Um, I don't know if we can blame, I don't know if we can blame Scotland for that. You know, I agree last season there was, um, you know, for, for Gerard to come out publicly and, and criticise um, the, the national setup, he must have been very, very angry about what happened because, you know, those kind of things are normally done behind closed doors. There's just something about, you know, kind of unwritten rule about how you do that. So he must have been really, really annoyed about that. Um, he didn't. I wasn't aware. Certainly, I haven't heard him make any out and out criticism of the international setup this time of the, of the Scotland team. Um, but they must be annoyed. They must be frustrated because Jack's an important player for us. You know, we realistically, I think we have three natural sitting midfielders: Kamara, um, Davis, and, and Jack. And Arfield can play there, and there's probably a couple of others that can play there uh, if required, but I think they are the three more natural in that position, and having one of them out means, you know, we just have the two, it does leave us a bit short, and it's a kind of position where you will pick up bookings, you know, players will pick up suspensions through the season, it, it is that kind of position. Um, so, yeah, it is a worry, um, it, it's not ideal because Jack was having a good season, you know, Jack has started the season really strongly, um, and, and to see him limp off um, yeah, it's not ideal. With a big game, probably our biggest game of the season coming up, or, or two biggest games of the season coming up midweek, and then obviously at the weekend uh, away at Easter Road. So uh, you really would want him there. Uh, so it is disappointing. Um, I, I, but I'm disappointed at losing three. You know, um, I, I don't understand how that happens. You know, within what was it? You know, within half an hour, with you know three players off with with um, muscle strains, um, and so yeah, uh, that's a a wee concern, you know. You do wonder, okay, you know, what was the 
what was the warm up like? What was the the training like through the week? What was the story with um, you know then before that 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 could happen? Um, but hopefully it's nothing serious. Hopefully um, they're, they're all able to come back quite quickly. That would be my, my kind of big my big hope in this. Ross, the final injury and probably the, the biggest one in, in, in terms of a, a talking point. Now, thankfully, it seems like it's it, it's not that bad, uh, but it was the, the, the tackle on Morelos uh, from, from Ryan Edwards. Now, it looked like a bad one straight away because, you know, again, we were talking before we came on air and John had pointed out that, you know, Morelos kind of looks at his leg and then signals to the bench straight away and then goes down in a heap. And the, the camera actually catches, you can you, you can literally see the stud mark uh, in his knee. And to me, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, but, you know, Gerrard's came out after the game and said, you know, I, I think the fact that Morelos' foot wasn't planted has helped him on this occasion. So it's just been an impact, gash on the knee, you know, maybe a few stitches and a couple of days rest. And it was even suggested that he might make the squad for Thursday. But in terms of the tackle from Ryan Edwards and the, the referee, uh, Clancy, you know, one of, the, one of the, the replays, for me, he can see it. You know, there's, there's no bodies in the way. He's got a clear view of that tackle. Uh, straight leg, above the ball, on the knee, gash. Yeah, he doesn't even book him. Uh, and and this again, this Gerard made the point, and and you know Michael Stewart was was bumping his gums last night more about Stephen Gerrard sticking up for one of these players than the actual tackle itself. Stephen Gerrard made a very good point, in my opinion, saying if it was all the way about if Morelos had committed that tackle, it would have been interesting to see what the the result would have been from from Clancy. Now we've been over this over the last couple of years about the referee inconsistencies. Yet again, you would have to say that we've came out on the wrong side of a bad decision there. Yeah, horrible decision. Um, I don't want to spend any more words on Michael Stewart, but you could have predicted his response probably down to the word. Um, it's just it's just boring from him now, uh, and I don't think we need to waste any energy on him. Um, it's it's a shocking shocking tackle. It's it's a straight leg studs up and it's knee high. I mean, it's above the knee. It's um, it's a really really awful. Let's be kind to the defender and call it reckless rather than violent. But there's a large school of thought out there saying that he knew exactly what he was doing. He was trying to leave one on the boy. Um, had it been the other way around, had it been a Morelos challenge, um, I don't know. I mean, it's Kevin Clancy we're talking about. And, you know, you don't have to look too deeply into his record to see to see his disciplinary history with Alfredo Morelos. So, um it doesn't fill me with confidence that the outcome would have been the same. So yeah, look, on, on sports scene last night, they're talking about how his, his view must have been blocked and, and otherwise, yeah, he would have, I mean, Chris, Chris Iwalumo was reasonably fair last night when he said, I mean, surely if, surely he's not seen it because if he has seen it, it has to be a red card. So I was, I was coming away thinking he's just not seen it. And, and that's not good. Um, it's not good that a referee's not seen it, but also he can't control that if a player gets in his way. But you're right, I've seen that camera angle now, which kind of fairly categorically and unequivocally shows he had a pretty clear line of sight to it, that it was studs up straight leg and knee high, um, which is dangerous, which is reckless, and that can injure your opponent, as it obviously has done. Um, one of the best hot takes I've seen on this was, ah, but it, it happened really fast. So you can't expect the, ref, the, the referee to keep up with that when it happens so fast. I mean, it's it's literally his job. His job is to protect the players. 
it doesn't matter how fast. I mean, that's like me saying ugh, Colin didn't walk up that hill because the hill was quite high. That's the whole point, right? So the, the referee has to see it and the referee has to take action. I mean, I, I'm glad that I think I'm right in saying that the rules still say if if he'd given a yellow, then there wouldn't be able there wouldn't be scope for retrospective punishment because it shows the referee has seen it and he's taken action at the time. Um, the fact that the referee's not taking any action, he never gave a card. It gives the scope for the compliance officer who, again, we don't have a great history with. Um, it gives scope for the compliance officer to come out and, and take retrospective action. I think pretty much every pundit is fairly unanimous in saying that that deserves to be a red card. It's reckless. It's dangerous. If Morelos gets away with missing only one or two matches, that's that's incredibly fortunate. And you've got more faith in the, the governing body, Scottish football, than me, Ross, I uh, I can't see anything happening to him to be honest with you. But time will tell. But yeah, I I I think Gerard makes a really good point. You know, I think uh, if that if that's the other way around, then Morelos is off the park without even a doubt. Uh, so yeah, we'll see we'll see what comes. But I I don't think I don't think anything will happen to him. Uh, but time will tell. John, coming back to you and moving away from 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 yesterday's game, uh, back. In Europa League action on Thursday night, we're travelling to Gibraltar uh, to play Lincoln Redamps, who are, are famous for that result against uh, Brendan Rodgers and Celtic a couple of years back. I think it was Brendan Rodgers' first game. Great story for that. I, I remember hearing a journalist who was covering the game saying when he arrived at the airport, he got in a taxi and he was talking to the taxi driver and he said to the taxi driver, I am here to cover the Celtic game. Uh, are you going to it? And the taxi driver was like, am I going to it? <laughs> I'm playing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I've, I've always kind of liked that story. But given that Celtic went, did have that banana skin, I get it, that they, they they turned it around in the second leg at, at, at Celtic Park. Uh, but we don't have that luxury, you know, because of the current situation with COVID and all that kind of a thing. It's, you know, it's, it's down this route of one-off games. So it's a one-off tie away from home. The dreaded plastic pitch, uh, a team that has already, you know, humiliated a team in Scotland. Ryan Kent claimed through the week there that the, the players are going to treat it like it's Porto. Is that what the players need to do? You know, if, if they want to avoid a, the, the potential banana skin here, do they have to go in here with, with the right attitude and the right mentality? A hundred percent. I mean, they have to be professional. They have to, you know, this is a cup tie. And it's interesting you said that it's one-legged. So it, it does make it different. You know, this this becomes an old-fashioned cup tie. Um, you know, we're away to a team that on paper we should have no problems with. But I expect it's going to be pretty warm over there. Um, it's the plastic pitch. Um, and, and, you know, they have nothing to lose. I mean, if they lose 7 nothing. You know, no one's going to give them a, a, a they're not going to get criticised for that. Um, you know, so, yeah, you know, it, it absolutely has potential to be a banana skin. And and I was pleased to read that from Kent earlier. Um, that is exactly how Rangers have to approach this game. They need to go in there with the right attitude. They need to go in there. I mean, thankfully, we've played there before. We've, we've, I think it's the same stadium, isn't it? There's only like one stadium in, in Gibraltar, I think, that is capable of, of holding games. So we've played there before. We understand the conditions um, it's a different team and it's a different event you know over two legs you, you always expect a team like Rangers to come through against a team like Red Imps um, you know the, 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 the quality of player the resources each team has you know they're not the same but 
you know, a one-off cup tie. We've all seen it before. Um, you know, the home team, they've got the home crowd behind them. I'm assuming there'll be a crowd there. Um, and I don't know if there will, actually. But, 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 you know, they have that home advantage plus they're up for it. Um, and, and, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's going to need, if it's not, you know, if we can't get an early goal, then it's going to need patience. It's going to need guys like Kent to step up and just deliver us that piece of magic. Because, it, yeah, you know, we should win comfortably. But one-off, cup ties, that's not how football works. I mean, that's one of the reasons we love football, because that's not how it works. You know, you could put 11 guys in that are all part-time and you can put them up against some of the best players in the world. And for reasons that no one has ever been able to quantify, they are able to compete with them on a one-off basis. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm not expecting it to be too easy. Um, and, and hopefully we will be professional all the way through and, and do the job we need to do. Um, Colin, because, you know, the last thing we need is to be getting pumped out of Europe by by them, that would be a that would be a sore one, um, and, and would I think set us back psychologically, don't you? Yeah, and and, and that's the point. I'm 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 going to cover the Ross now. You know, we have been there with these sort of you know quote unquote daddy teams before. We progress uh, under under Pedro Gerard, though, since he's arrived, has 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 had a good record in the qualifiers. In fact, he's got an excellent record in the qualifiers. He's got a great record in. In the Europa League overall, you know, he's managed to get us back to the group stages at the first time they asked him when he arrived. And last year, he got us to the group stages and then got us into the knockout stages. And I think a, a, a wee bit of a, a, a kinder draw uh, and, and that was at the last 16 we got to, then, you know, you, you don't know where we could have ended up. But how, how important is it, you know, from a financial point of view and, and from a prestige point of view that Gerard maintains that record and, and gets us into those Europa League group stages. Well, none of us, none of us have any, you know, real insight into the finances of the club. But you have to believe that the the acquisitions that we've made over the summer and the lack of, you know, really notable player sales for for mega money, it probably means that actually it's quite important that we go far in Europe. And I think that the the group stages financially would probably be the minimum. It's probably also the minimum expectation of the supporters. You know, I remember two years ago before we we had that first run into the group stages, we were all sort of saying it would be pretty much impossible. And then we obviously we get there, we have a a decent go at getting out of the group with um, Rapid Vienna and and Spartak Moscow and Spanish team Villarreal. The, the next season rolls around and we all sort of go, ah, that was a that was a bit of a fluke actually. I don't I don't know if we could get there again. Maybe we got quite an quite a lucky or quite a fortunate draw to get to the group stages, but we do it again and, and we come out of an even more difficult group and then go through the last thirty two into the last sixteen. And you're right, if we get an easier draw, you never know what could have happened. I'm not saying we would have won the thing, but we could have gone quite quite far. Um, so actually, you know, the expectation from the supporters is, I think, is you know what? No, it's not. It's not lucky. It's not a favourable draw. It's not a fluke. We should be getting to the group stages. This this stage of our recovery, that's where we should be year on year on year. Um, Gerard has an excellent record in the qualifiers, as you say, um, not just in terms of matches won and, and a lack of matches lost, but also in terms of goals conceded. We don't concede many goals in these qualifiers, which is you know, lucky because we haven't conceded any goals at all this season. Um, I'm very, very confident ahead of Thursday. I really can't see anything going wrong. Uh, it would be a very, very freak set of circumstances. I think we're a much more composed unit. 
even in Celtic, where under the first Brendan Rodgers game, obviously he was he was taken over under a wee bit of a shambles that Ronnie Dyla had left. Um, so I think we're in we're in a very good spot. We've got players who know what it means to go through these qualifiers. As John said, very importantly, they know the setup there. Um, they know that it's a slightly weird place to play football. Obviously, you've got airplanes taking off and landing in the background. You've got um, this horrible plastic pitch. You've got 30-odd degrees of Gibraltar sunshine. Um, but the players know that, and the players are used to it. The players will be professional. They've played in more difficult environments. They've certainly played against harder teams. Um, I, I really cannot see this one causing us too many problems. Well, I hope you're right, Ross. I mean, I always get a wee bit nervous about this, and I always get a wee bit nervous about the Angels when it seems to me historically that when we have a really good season in Europe, the following season it kind of crashes down a wee bit. I remember 92 and 93 when we came so close to winning the Champions League. You know, the following season we were out the first round. The same when we got to the final in 2008. You know, we we've done so well, and then the following season we're out at the first the first knockings, and I, I just just have a wee bit of the fear. I'm not saying we're going to lose on Thursday night, but in terms of getting to the group stages, I, I, I do have a wee bit of fear about that. But I'm with you. Hopefully Thursday night will be fairly routine and uh, we can see what it takes us. Guys, we were conscious of time. Uh, so quickly look at, it's possibly going to be the biggest game of the season uh, so far next Sunday at Easter Road. Hibs going great guns under, under Jack Ross. Arguably uh, our stiffest test to date. John, I'll come to you. And how, how do you feel uh, about about Sunday? Easter Road's always a hard place to go. You know, we'll have been over in Gibraltar, so there'll have been the, the you know the travel, you know, the heat, um, the fact that we've we've, we've played the game midweek. Um, you know, there's always that's not true. There's sometimes a hangover. From a European match, you, you know, no matter how it's going, um, there's sometimes a hangover. Hibs will be up for it. Um, you know, I think the Hibs thing is all relative. Um, you know, obviously they started last season really badly. Um, Ross came in and, and he steadied the ship and has kind of built on it from there. And they're currently sitting second. Now, they're sitting second because Celtic have played two games less. And Aberdeen, I think, have played one game less. Um Maybe two games less as well. I'm not entirely sure. But either way, I'm not convinced that they are, you know, the world beaters. Um, they, you know, they lost Aberdeen at home. Um, and Aberdeen were pretty poor. Um, we used to all them. Um, they drew with Motherwell, who are currently bottom in the league. Um, so, you know, they're not... And they both those games were at home. So, um, you know, I think that they're missing their home crowd. Uh, they're missing their home backing. Um, but they'll be up for the game against us. The Hibs always give us a hard game. Yeah, Mr. Road um, is, is one of these grounds where, you know, you can expect it to be hostile. But the fact that they're not going to be fans there, again, Colin, you know, we approach it professionally. We'll beat them. We're better. We've got better players in better form. Um, and, and if we approach it in the right way, then I don't have too many worries. I mean, they hammered St. Mum yesterday. But, I mean, you know, St. Mum were asking... St. Mum were trying to hold on a goalkeeper 10 minutes before the game, and it was damage or stuff. I mean... I wouldn't be reading too much into that. Um, you know, no, I'll be disappointed if if come next Sunday, you know, we've not put a couple past um, Hibs. And, and I think it, I'm not sure, I, I'm not sure it's a harder ground for us to go to than Pataudry. You know, I think, I still think Pataudry, first game of the season, um, uh, is, is a harder game than Easter Road after kind of seven, eight games. 
Um, so you know, whilst you know, I don't want to sound too, I don't want to sound overconfident because that is not my natural state when it comes to Rangers. Um, I still, don't, I genuinely don't see any reason why we shouldn't go there with some confidence and and um, and expect to win and, and come back with all three points. That's you know, that, that's my view on it. And I genuinely think that that's a game there for us to be won. Can I just say you sounded totally overconfident there? But we'll not, we'll not well, go into that so late. Now, in the show. I, whoever's on next Sunday will be cursing me. <laughs> John said we would squish it. Uh, <laughs> There's also, Ross, uh, coming back to yourself, there's also this other aspect kicking in now, and it's an aspect that we've, we've talked about a lot in the show, and that's the mentality. You know, Celtic place at Nurn on Wednesday, who I'm, I'm pretty sure the SPFL have told out they've got to go and sign another goalkeeper to play in that game. Uh, and then they've got Livy on Saturday, so there's a good chance that Celtic will be top of the league by the time we take on Hibs. Uh, on Sunday, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be probably level with us on points uh, and maybe they'll, they'll sneak it on goal difference. So for the first time, you know, there's that wee bit of pressure to get a result and it's a tricky fixture away from home at a ground. Again, as, as John's, point, John's pointed out, there'll be no supporters, but, you know, it's away from home at a ground that's always difficult to go to. Is this a chance for the players to show that they, they can you know, it's an opportunity to show that they can deal with this sort of pressure. Yeah, if, if they have any um, inclination of winning the title this year, winning 55, then they have to. This is the kind of challenge that defines a title-winning season, surely. You know, um, I think we all expected and, and continue to anticipate bumps along the road this season, uh, that there will be challenges and there are some, I think, teams this season in Scotland, Hibs in particular, are, are stronger than they have been for a wee while. And they pose maybe more of a threat and more of a challenge. And Hibs have been in good form since the start of the season. I quite like Jack Ross as a manager. I think he's you know, he's a decent manager. Um, Hibs have one or two good players. Um, I, I quite like Martin Boyle as a player. Um this lad Nisbet up front seems to be knocking them in. I was again seen on the sports scene last night that the goal he scored yesterday kind of just bobbled off his shin and went in. But he's in the right places and he's he's getting goals. So they're not they're not a bad side. And and it will be it will be really interesting to see if there is an effect mentally from the fact that Celtic take the lead. Um I, I think you're right. I think they probably will. Although let's be fair, they have a shocking record against Livingston in the last couple of seasons, Celtic. So you never know. They're not playing overly well. Um, they, they got a, a very strong victory over Ross County this weekend, but um, according to the Ross County manager, it certainly wasn't as much of a pumping as you might expect when you see the scoreline. So they're not playing overly well, but I do still expect that they, they probably will be top of the league on goal difference by the time we play. Um, that The hard thing about mentality is it's, it's, it's not something you can necessarily coach. Um, to be a strong character, to be resilient and and overcome challenges like that. Um, I, this, is, again, is where I think the lack of a crowd in the stadium is going to really help us, actually. Um, I think it will allow the footballers to, to focus on what they do best. So, uh, again, I'm cautiously optimistic. I hate games against hips. They just make me nervous. They give me a fear. Uh, I was, uh, as I know you were, uh, Colin, present at the Scottish Cup final a couple of years ago. And since then, I just I hate playing Hibs. So I'm not exactly looking forward to it, but I think John summed it up really well. I'm very, very disappointed if, you know, come Sunday evening next week, if we're discussing the fact that we've dropped more points, it, it, 
So it's not really going to be any excuse for that mentality or not. Yeah, hopefully you're right. I mean, I'm a wee bit like you. I get a wee bit of the fear when we're playing Hibs, but that makes it all the better when we win. You know, I really enjoyed that victory uh, last season when you know, Rebo got the goal and Kent, and I think Defoe made it 3-0 on the night. Uh, aye, so because you have that fear, because the stakes are a wee bit higher, because it's a club you absolutely hate with a passion, uh, it makes it better when you win. So hopefully that's where we are next Sunday and when we're on air next week talking about it. It'll all be good and we're, we're discussing a win rather than a, a draw or a defeat. Guys, again, conscious of time, so probably best just to wrap things up there. So that is all for this week's episode of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast that is brought to you by Fans for Fans. Uh, a big thanks to John and Ross for their contributions tonight. I really enjoyed that. It was a good laugh. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about the Hibs game and the the, 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 the Lincoln Red Imps game and previewing what's coming up in the following week. In the meantime, between uh, then and now, get yourself on to the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk guys uh, as, as we've said all through this sort of lockdown and there's a wee bit of a spike in it all again you know stay safe look after yourself uh, and until the next time bye for now <laughs>